we can't hear anything. We got nothing. Hello. Hey, we got Hello. something now. Oh, well, welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. Yes! So this is our... Uh, well, welcome back. I don't know what's going on there. We were having some technical difficulties. I uh, apologize in advance if you get any bad pops because um, we have a thing in the studio that we plug in around our microphone and it makes it sound like this and there's no pop, 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 pop. So I'm going to try and have to figure out how to get that thing plugged back in. Um, anyway, it's called a pop filter and it blocks the air from going out from your mouth into the microphone to make that puh. Sound. It's so a terrible sound. But anyway, that's right. I'm trying to illustrate it to all of our beautiful <laughs> listeners. Welcome to Real Faith. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. I'm Robbie. This is Tash. And our, our exciting news today, our surprise from last week, is that Tash has uh, freed up her schedule by the grace of God and is now joining us again to be co-host of the show. Yes, I'm back. So welcome back. We're super excited to have you back. Stoked that you're going to be here and continue to be a part of the show. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, what? There's a laugh track. Wow. Everyone's so glad to have me back. Thanks, Shell. That was amazing. I, it's still going. That's and I, crazy. And I'm funny as well. I, uh, <laughs> I, wow, I feel like I'm sitting on a 90s sitcom. That was strange. Anyway, we're super excited to have Tash back. We're super excited about the show today. Today, we're going to be going to continue our study in the book of Exodus. We'll continue on from the story where we finished last week where the Israelites escaped from Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, and the next step of the journey is what's coming next. So the question is, what is going to happen next? So we're excited to continue on with that today with you. We're also going to be hearing in our Testify segment today from our friend Ron, who is our producer Shell's dad, and he's actually going to be calling in from America. And you're going to be hearing a little bit of a story today that involves Jesus, a snowblower machine, and America. So um, he's calling all the way from the great, the great land of America. So we're excited to hear from him a little bit later on. You want to hear that story? It sounds exciting. And um, our discussion topic this week, we didn't, we were kind of debating whether we would do a discussion topic or not because we've got Tash back, navigating the new thing. But what I wanted to throw out there is, I don't know about you, but uh, my local area has is going into another lockdown as of five p.m. this evening, and um, I just wanted to ask and throw it out there. How are you traveling with the lockdown? So if you're listening in from an area that has been impacted by the lockdown in the greater Sydney region or anywhere else in the country, um, how are you going with that? What's the ups, the downs? This is a time to you know let us know how you're going. We'd love to hear from you, to be able to engage with you on that. So if you'd like to do that or call in with your question for question of the week, you can do so by calling or texting 0491-064-669, and we'll tell you what our prize is going to be a little bit later in the show. Stick around. It's going to be a great day today. This is Bethany Dillon with Satisfy. Yeah. 
Back to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. You were listening to Faith FM Radio, and hopefully the 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 puh sounds and the tuh sounds and the all those <laughs> sounds that are percussive and and have breath coming out are not going to be too bad because we we managed to jerry rig this thing. I think we should take yeah. a photo and put it up on the uh, Faith FM page on Facebook. Your handiwork. It's, it's that it's that good. I think. Anyway, welcome back. We are super excited to have you here, and uh, it has come that time of the show where we talk about what a weird and wonderful world that God has made. So um, let's get right into it. We've got some fun facts for you today. Now, in the story, we're going to be talking a little bit about something that's going to come up in here, so keep your ears peeled later and see if you can make the connection. Are you ready? Now, so today, I'm going to give you some fun facts, Tash, so that's a swap around because normally you would give me fun facts. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. All right, here we go. So... Fun fact number one. Today we're talking about salt water and fresh water. Did you know? Well, here's a question. Approximately how much of your body is made up of water? Don't feel too bad if you get it wrong, I'm guessing, based on what I've been told. Is it 60 to 70 percent? Yeah, it's like 70. Depending on who you ask, it's between like 70 70 percent and like 90 some percent. Oh. They say you're, you're, you and I are mostly made up of water, and the rest of us is just the bacteria in our gut. Um, well, a lot of it. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, but God made us that way, and it's yeah. an amazing, wonderful thing. But here's the point. If your body – or if, if our bodies as human beings are made up of predominantly water, and we would think of that as probably not salt water, right? Then you would think that our planet that is covered in 71% water would contain a lot of fresh water, right? Yeah. But here's the fun fact for you. Are you ready? 
How, what percentage of the planet's water do you think is made up of fresh water versus that which is salt? How much of the water on Earth is fresh water? What do you reckon? Make it quick. You got to guess. 20, 20, 20%. 20%. 20%. 20% fresh, 80% salt. Are you ready for this? Yeah. 2.5% of all the water on planet Earth is made up of what we would call fresh water, which is uh, water that has less than 3% salt in it. Right? Now, check this out. Only 0.3% of that number is available on the surface. So almost all of the fresh water is underground. underground. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) So next time you go get some water out of a well or some bore water, just think, man, this is a real blessing because most of the water that you're getting on Earth is underground. underground. All right. Next fun fact for you. The uh, – let's let's go to one about salt water. So salt water, also known as seawater, is water that has – how much salt do you reckon would be in seawater? I may have given you a hint before. Are you ready? Come on, give us a guess, Tash. 80%. 80 percent. 80% salt? I don't know. 80% salt? I don't know. 20% water, that'd be like, I think that would be a little bit like wet sand. It's just, <laughs> I don't think that'd be very wet. Anyway, good guess, good try. Points for, uh, for effort. Uh, salt water, <laughs> seawater, is water that has between 3 and 5% salt content. That's what we call salt water. Between 3% salt and 5% salt in the water. If it's more than that, we call it brine water, right? So when you get like olives or you get something that's that's preserved in, in a brine, a really salty broth, that's, that's water that has more than 5% salt content. Isn't that interesting? Huh. All right. Next fun fact for you, keeping in line. I'm actually really enjoying this because the look on your face. I wish, I wish you could see the look on Tasha's face right now because it's pretty, it's pretty stellar. All right. How much oh, – no, let me not ask. I'm just going to tell you. The five major oceans – can you think of – what are the oceans, by the way? Can, what can uh, we remember? I'm not going to read them. Let's see. This Pacific. Pacific. Indian. Uh, Indian Atlantic. Atlantic. Keep going. Arctic. Arctic. Oh, Antarct- there's an Antarctic now as well. Isn't and it? the Southern Ocean. The Southern Ocean. That's Boom. Right. There we go. We there got them. All right. With our powers combined, we are Captain Planet. We got it. All right. So the five major oceans account for 96.5% of the salt water on planet Earth. So that's almost all the salt water is in the major oceans. But check this out. Remember, salt water makes up almost all the water on planet Earth, remember. Now check this out. Which ocean is the biggest ocean? Any ideas? The Pacific. The Pacific. You're right onto it. Now check this out. The Pacific Ocean which is my favorite ocean because I grew up in California. I live in Australia. I lived in the islands. Almost all of my travel has been around the, around the Pacific, the Pacific <laughs> Ocean, uh, connected to it in some way. So the Pacific Ocean contains 49.6% of all the salt water on our planet. So almost half of the water yeah. on Earth is in the Pacific Ocean. So if you're living on the east coast of Australia and you're listening in right now, I just want you to know that the next time you touch that body of water, you're – you're dicking, dipping your toes right into the midst of almost half of the water on the earth. You're like dipping your toes in the big bowl. Mm. That's, that's how I'm going to think about it from now, the big blue, the big bowl of water. I love it. Um, oh, let me give you – got, we got a little bit more time. Let me give you a couple more fun facts because this is fun. Um, let's go back to fresh water. Uh, fresh water that comes out of your sink's faucet is called tap water. That's not an exciting one. We all knew that. The big <laughs> – Wow. Did you know that the main cause of water pollution in the world is due to human activities? That's obvious, too. Some of these fun facts uh, 
a bit, bit not fun. Uh, fresh water is extremely important to humans and considered a vital. I, I give up. None of these, none of these facts at the end were <laughs> worth reading. Anyway, we live in an amazing world that God has made. And uh, let's listen to another song. This is Chris Rice, Oh for a Thousand Tongues. A thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. And if I had a thousand tongues, still I could never sing enough. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of Thy name. And if I had a thousand tongues, still I could never sing enough. Just the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrow cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. And if I had a thousand tongues, still I could never sing enough. Breaks the power of cancelled sin He sets the prisoner free His blood can make the foulest clean His blood availed for me And if I had a thousand tongues Still I could never sing enough Hear him ye dare his praise ye dumb your loosened tongues implore ye blind behold your Savior come and leap ye lame for joy and if I had a thousand tongues still I could never sing enough oh for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace.
So you are listening to Real Faith on Faith FM. This is Shell leading out. Today I have on the phone Ron Evans. Ron, how do you know me? I happen to be your father. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> My daddy. I'm really glad to have you on. Yeah, you're going to share with us a story. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, the testimonies are usually things that happened to you that was very unexpected, but you didn't you didn't know God was in the picture necessarily until it happened, and you realize that, wow, God was in the picture. God is the one who took care of the whole situation. I've had a lot of those. Maybe a simple little story about one time when I was snowblowing our driveway. For those who don't know, I'm from Wisconsin oh. in the United States. we got some pretty decent winters there. Oh, that's, so so that's good. where Dad's <laughs> at right now. Go on, Dad. Continue on. Also, my plow truck had quit, and I was trying to figure out how to get the driveway cleaned out, and all I had was an old-time snowblower, and so I was using that, and we had a huge area to clean up. The whole driveway and the back section where we parked the cars, and I was using the snowblower, and it was the only thing I had so that we could get out. And, of course, if you know anything about Wisconsin snow, you know, many times you have a two-foot snow or 18 inches or something like that. So the idea of trying to get to work and trying to use a snowblower to clean out everything so you could go to work was very important. You have to get the job done. Maybe a mechanic would understand this more than anybody else, but my snowblower, I kept going back and forth from the house to the end of the driveway, making the path wider so I could eventually get out. And then as I brought the snowblower to the end of the pile, I put it in reverse to back up, and I noticed it wasn't blowing any snow. So... I brought it all the way back to the house and sat out on a bucket. And there sat my snowblower, and I was I was done. I was virtually done. But I checked the snowblower, and the auger in front that blows the snow was just spinning freely. And I realized that there's just a little bitty card of key-like thing that fits in the snowblower blade, that this thing's only like a sixteenth of an inch in diameter, and maybe only a quarter inch long, but it, this pin had to be in that auger just right in order for the auger to spin and, and blow the snow. So I'm sitting there in dire need of getting out of the driveway, and I sent up a prayer, and I said, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work, but I can't fix this without that pin. And really, this is what happened. I looked way forward to where I would stop the blower and bring it all the way back. And all you see is this big wall of snow. And I'm a good 20 feet, 30 feet on this bucket looking at that wall. And I asked the Lord to help me figure out how to fix this. And I looked up. Now, you can't see anything except white, basically. But I'm looking at that wall of snow, and I saw this like a little tiny pinhole. Now, how you can see it that far away, is that's the miracle right there. But I walked all the way over there, and I took my hand and made it like a cup. And I cupped out that hole where I saw, and I pulled it out and sat back down on the bucket and ran my fingers through that snow, and there was that pin. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. <laughs> so wow. I put the pin back into the the auger part, 
and it worked perfect, even better than it had before. And I have never forgot that. You know, it's like God gave me supervision to see that far and to be able to see that little tiny hole. And it looked big from where I was sitting. Just like he even led you over there to put your hand in that. And you had to stick it in there far. I can't. I I just, the real truth, if you were 10 feet away, you couldn't see the hole. Because everything's just solid white. It's a delicate situation to even find it if it was in that hole. But that pen made the hole. I just, I fixed it and shut it off and went in the house and told my wife the whole story. And it was like. She's like, no way. And I'm like, I'm not kidding. You know, God is so good. And there's a lot of stories like that I have, really. That There's only one way you can put an answer to it. It is a testimony that you know for a fact that God took care of it. You really had nothing to do with it except he answered my prayer. Yes, I did pray that he'd get me out of the situation I was in. But for him to answer the prayer that quickly... And to do it the way he done it, well, you know, it's a miracle. And I just think that there's so many miracles like that in our lives, so many testimonies we all have, really. If you if you have one story like that, I've got a lot of them, but if you have one story like that, it makes you want to appreciate God your whole life. That's all there is to it. You know he's real. You know he's there. And you know he's willing to help you. And what? how could anybody love you more than that? Wow. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing that story. That's, a, that's awesome. Well, you're welcome. Bye. Bye. Bye.
This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. listening to faith fm that was grace ulysses with god is love i think it was called it disappeared from my screen too fast for me to read it we are just about to get into our bible study time and i'm super excited for that today um but before we do that i just want to do another shameless plug if uh if you'd like to call in and get involved in our discussion today we'd just love to know how you're traveling with with the lockdown what's working for you and maybe what are some of the challenges that you're facing we'd love to uh, be able to pray for you or to share some of the the wisdom that has been helpful to you in that space and uh, the other thing is, we, at the end of the show, have a question of the week portion, which I love, because I love hearing from you. And uh, 
I would love to hear from you on any questions that you have about God, spirituality, the end of time, all sorts of things that may be going on in your head that you'd love to to discuss. Maybe it's a question that you're not sure of the answer. Maybe it's a question that you you think would just be worth talking about on radio. Maybe it's a question that you're asked a lot that you think might be relevant. But we'd love to hear from you, any of those questions. And our first caller in today is going to receive a free copy of a little book called Expect a Miracle, He'll Do It for You. And in the Bible, we see all of these stories of Jesus performing incredible miracles, physical healings for people, but even more importantly than that, we actually see him performing spiritual healing over and over and over again. And so if you would like to know more about what God can do for you in terms of miracles, whether those be physical miracles potentially or the more important spiritual healing that can take place in all of our lives through the through the grace of Jesus— you can find out more about how God has done that in the past and learn from those lessons for yourself. And uh, the first caller in today who gives us a question for our question of the week is going to receive a free copy of that. So we'd love to hear from you. You can call or text in at 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. We'd love to hear from you. All right. So last week we talked about the crossing of the Red Sea. We discovered that God led the Israelites to a place where they were hemmed in on all sides. One side was a mountain, the other side was, you know, it was a triangle, so to speak. There were mountains on one side, the Red Sea on another, and then the armies of Pharaoh coming from behind. And when it looked like there was no way forward for them to go, God split the sea and took them across and took out their enemies as they followed to take them out. And the enemies of God's people were were drowned in the sea, Pharaoh's armies were lost in the Red Sea when its walls, or or the walls of water, I should say, collapsed back in on themselves. And they were free. And I can imagine at that moment that they would have had an incredible experience of jubilation, uh, a very surreal experience that we are now free from our captors and they can no longer pursue us. And so the question is, what happens after that? So we're going to have a prayer, and then we're going to start a Bible study. Would you like to pray for us today, Tash? Yeah, let's pray. Dear Father God, we come before you now and we thank you for this time and that we get to look into your word. May you just um, speak into us and through us and may your spirit just fill us as we um, gain some insights and learn some more about you in your scripture. And uh, yeah, we just ask you be with myself and Robbie. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you're following along in your Bible, we invite you to join us to the chap- the book of Exodus, chapter 15. So Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament, Genesis, then Exodus, and we're in Exodus chapter 15. 15 is the, uh, the big numbers, and the verses that we're going to jump to is verse 22, which is the little numbers, in case that's unfamiliar to you, and uh, super excited. Now, you may notice that last week we finished at the end of chapter 14, and we're skipping, skipping a big section, and I'll, I just want to highlight a little bit about what's in that section. So, In chapter 15, in verse 1, it says, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. And then the chapter continues on in this long song of Moses that he sings as a response to what God has done. And the words are magnificent. But we don't want to, we've got limited time and I didn't want to break apart that song. So I want to encourage you to read that song and check that out. And the basic thrust of the song, I would say, is over and over and over again, you hear Moses declaring that it was God who worked for them. It was God who rescued them. It was God who destroyed their enemies. It was God, it was God, it was God. 
And isn't that beautiful? They're recognizing, and it's especially beautiful because it's Moses who could very easily have been confused or self-deceived to think he had some great part or plan, but he recognizes the reason we have been saved is by God's intervention alone. Isn't that beautiful? And I just want to highlight, there's a, I think there's a lesson for us there. The, the way that we should respond to God as he has done things for us is to praise him, to acknowledge with thanksgiving that which he has done. So they go on and they sing. He sings this song, and then it gets down to the end of the chapter, and it says that Miriam, who is a prophetess or a prophet, she is the sister of Moses, the sister of Aaron. She takes a timbrel in her hand. She gets all of the women to now join in the song, and they repeat that same chorus. And so the men and the women are both singing the same song to God, that God has rescued us. And it doesn't matter if you're a man or if you're a woman or you're a child, that same salvation is on offer to you and to me today. Isn't that beautiful? All right. Without any further ado, we're going to continue the story in verse 22. And can you read that to the end of the chapter for us, Tash? Okay, so that's Exodus 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees, so they camped there by the waters. Awesome, thank you. So they rock up to this this place, three days journey, and now... If if my memory serves me right, you can't go for much longer than three days without water. You're not doing so hot, right? Yeah. They're traveling Especially in the in desert. desert. That's yeah. right. Traveling in the desert. They've got all their livestock. They're a bit concerned. There's no water. They get finally to a place where there is water. And what's wrong with the water? The water is bitter. It's bitter. It's, it's salty. It's undrinkable. Yeah, That's it's right. salty. Yes. That's right. So bitter, yeah. they, they, they call... They call salt water bitter water, and they call fresh water sweet water, right? So when it mm-hmm. says that that God instructed Moses to... To take this tree branch and throw it in, the water's turned from salt water to fresh water. That's what that means. It's not talking about it tasted bad, now it tasted good. No, legitimately, it was salt water, and now it's fresh. Yeah. Isn't this amazing? It is amazing, yeah. Like, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, because, you know, like a desalination plant? Yeah. Like, it changes salt water into water, and that didn't come around until, like, the 20th century. Yeah. And, and there they are. They're just... It's not uh, like they had a distiller they, out there. They didn't have a distiller or some sort of, like, um, filtering process. Yeah, this was definitely salt water that they, they encountered, yeah. And the name they named the place Marah, which means bitter, right? They name it after that. So every time they would go to this place in the future or see it on a map, they would know that was the place where the water was salty, and God, through a miracle, turned it into fresh water. Now, I just want to highlight before we go any further that it's just interesting. They've just had miraculous rescue, 10 plagues. They've just had miraculous rescue, Red Sea. They've just had miraculous rescue, water. Right? Like, they're still complaining every time something goes a little bit wrong. And isn't that the experience that so many people have, myself included? We're going to come back to that. But I just want you to think about that. Second thing. 
he God makes a promise to them, and he says, if you are diligent to to hear and obey my statutes, my precepts, my commandments. Now, by the way, there's a there's a there's a distinction made in there. God has laws, God has commandments, God has precepts, God has statutes. There's there's a differentiation there in, in, in the way that Torah was given. You've got the Ten Commandments, which has not yet been given here in the in the text. You've got the law of Moses, which is beyond that, the ceremonial laws, which included hygiene laws, which included governance laws, which included all of these ways that they would exist as a society and govern themselves. And that also has not been given yet, right? Like it's not been given in the story. But I think it's fascinating. What does God promise they will not experience if they're diligent to obey God's laws? So they obey God's laws and they're diligent to what he says. They won't experience what they just experienced in Egypt. Right. Yeah, so none of the plagues, none of in any of that. None yeah. of the diseases. None of the diseases. And I just yeah. want to highlight something here that I think is super profound. It's very simple. God didn't give his laws for nothing. Like they're not just arbitrary, useless pieces of information. The reality is many of those things that we take for granted are actually applicable to our lives today. You follow God's hygiene laws, you have less incidence of disease. You follow God's sexual laws, you have less incidence of disease. You follow God's laws about Sabbath, you have rest, and you have less incidence of stress-related disease. God is in the business. Won't you leave me? I'm tired and I need Thy strength and power to guide me over my darkest hour. Lord, just open my eyes that I may see. Lead me, oh Lord, won't you lead me?
of healing. That was the sentence I didn't get to finish there. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. God is in the business of bringing healing. And the point that I was making there is that God makes a promise to them that, look, God's laws are not arbitrary. If you actually follow the the principles that he outlines that he's about to tell to this group of people who've lived in slavery for 400 years, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you what it looks like to live free. And freedom always has boundaries, doesn't it? And we're going to talk about that when we get to Exodus 20 and we talk about God delivering the law on Sinai, etc. But, but he gives healthy boundaries to make you as free as possible. Right? There's no such thing as, as no boundaries because otherwise we infringe upon other people's freedoms to have our own freedoms, etc. And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't make sense. But isn't it beautiful that God says, hey, look, I'm giving you a way of life that is going to have less of these negative consequences of sin because that's what I want for you. Isn't that beautiful? What a promise. Anyway, I just thought that was a profound point. All right, before we jump back in, I just want to do another shameless plug. We would love to hear from you with your questions um, about God, about the Bible, about Jesus, about faith, about what's happening in the world. We'd love to hear from you. And the first caller in today is going to receive a free copy called Miracles. He can do it for you. And it goes through stories of Jesus' performance of miracles in the New Testament stories of Jesus' life and um, how Jesus can then take those miracles that he's done there and what how how he can bring that spiritual or physical healing into our own lives. So call or text in at 0491-064-669 with your questions. That's 0491-064-669. If you're the first caller in today, you're going to get a free copy of that book. All right, we're going to jump into the story. We're back in Exodus chapter 16, and let's read uh, let's read the first four three verses. Okay. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. All right. So what's going on here? <laughs> it's a bit of a wing wing, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Bit. Like, like seriously. So, so they've been... It's been a month since they have had the Passover, right? It was the 14th day, I believe, of the first month, if I can remember correctly. I might be wrong there. But uh, now it's halfway through the second month of the year. So basically they, they are in a position where it's been about a month of freedom. And they've already complained when they didn't have water. God provided. Now they don't have food, and what are they doing? They're complaining again. Right? This yeah. time they're complaining against Moses and Aaron. They're spreading their complaint, and they're saying, just like they said at the crossing of the Red Sea, they're saying, oh, if only we were back in Egypt, why did you bring us out here to die? Why, God, did you rescue us? Isn't that interesting? And I think it's just fascinating because is that a familiar kind of saying? Like we read this in the, in the Bible. We read this among the children of Israel. We read similar kinds of discussions among the disciples, and we think, man, you guys are just so dumb or you're so ungrateful. But are we any different? No, I don't think we're any different, yeah. And I think it's yeah. just so relatable. Mm. Like how easily we forget how God has led in the past. I've, I think there's, there's a, a quote by one of my favorite authors, and she says something along the lines of, um, we have nothing to fear for the future so long as we do not forget 
how God has led us in our past history, right? If we can remember what God has done for us, then we will, it will, it will give us the faith to hold on to Him and what He will do for us. And they have not yet seemed to grasp that lesson. And how often do we do the same thing? So often. Any, any thoughts on that before we move forward? You look like you're dying to say something, Tash. As well, they just, what we hear is they keep complaining, but there is no sense of gratitude at all. There's no, like, I, we, you took us out of Egypt. We were slaves there for a very long time. Oh, and now we're, but there's no sense of like, thank you. Thank you, God, that we're out here. There's the song we have, but there's no actual, like, gratitude. Each new day, like, thank you, Lord, that we're, we're alive. We're out here. We have freedoms. We don't have all the food that we used to have, but we are free to live. Mm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's just missing. That gratitude is missing. Yeah, totally. And freedom comes with new responsibilities that you have to learn to manage. You go from having everything given to you to, even though it wasn't good, it was in slavery, but, but your food was provided in the sense, right? You had some level of security, but now you're out there and you've got to make a way in the world. Yeah. And that's scary. But that, 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 yeah, this is just total lack of gratitude. All right, let's keep reading. Let's read the next couple of verses. Okay, so I'm picking it up from verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Also Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Awesome. So what's going on here? Oh, I like how he ends. Who are we? <laughs> like you're, <laughs> I'm like, they're the middle guy. Sometimes we, they're putting all the complaints on the middle guy, but the real complaint, which they're not taking is to God. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Number one, I love what you're saying there. They're not taking it to God. Because perhaps they don't want to deal with God themselves. Perhaps they don't actually want to have to deal with what the answer might be. But they are taking it to the people who are tangible, who are kind of like God's representative in their life, and their complaint is against them. Even though Moses has nothing to do with this, right? Like God is the one who's providing or not providing. So they should take their complaint to him. But they're coming in and they've got this this big problem with Moses. And by the way, when you think about this in terms of like leadership difficulty, remember 600,000 military age men plus all of the women plus all of the children. This is over a million people complaining talk. against yeah, you. Just, yeah. Right? Like this is no small, small crew. But I love this. I love this. God's response to this is, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to tell the people – that there's going to be a miracle for them in the evening and in the morning. He says, and I'm going to feed them. I'm going to give them bread from heaven, right? I'm going to give them bread from heaven. And they're going to go out and gather that. Every day, bread is going to be there for that day. And there'll be a quota. Go out and grab what you need. Take it. It will be provided for you. And then on the sixth day, and this is a prelude to the Sabbath, he says, on the sixth day, I'm going to give you twice as much, so gather twice as much. And he's, it's amazing because God is giving provision, God is giving provision for every day. I'm reminded of Jesus saying that today has enough troubles of its own, 
right? We don't worry about tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It doesn't mean don't make plans. It doesn't mean don't be wise. But God is saying, I will provide for you today what you need for today. And that's teaching us dependence. And then he says, but there's a day when I want you to have rest. So I'm going to give you twice as much the day before so that you can have provision not only on the days that uh, that you work, but you're going to have provision on the days that you take a total abstention from work so that you can know that I am providing for you always. Isn't that profound? Yeah. I just love it. And so he says, this is what's going to happen. And I love this one other point. He says, you're going to see the glory of the Lord. Now, if I said to you, you're going to see the glory of the Lord, tell me, like, what's the picture in your mind? Just just the first thing that comes to your mind. Just throw it out there. Something in the clouds, like, ah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's glowing, it's right? Glowing. Like, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> okay, so check this out. He says, you're going to see the glory of the Lord. But in what way do they see the glory of the Lord? In what way are they going to see the glory of the Lord? And I'm reminded of a place later in the book of, of, of Exodus where God says, I will show you my glory, Moses. And then he declares his name and he says, the Lord, the Lord who is long-suffering and merciful and just and all of these beautiful character descriptions. And I think it's just profound. His glory is going to be declared and that he is providing for his people what they cannot do for themselves. The glory of the Lord is declared in God's faithfulness to these unfaithful people, providing them the opportunity for them to respond in faith. God's faithfulness that is undeserved, unmerited, that they can choose to respond to in faith. Isn't that profound? The glory of the Lord is about to be proclaimed to them in the sense that God is going to provide them bread to eat, physical, literal bread to eat in their mouths in the morning. And that displays the glory of God. Oh, I love it. All right, we're going to listen to a song now. This is this is Cardiphonium music. That's a mouthful. Glorious things of thee are spoken.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. This is Faith FM Radio. And just before we get back into our Bible study, another shameless plug. We'd love to hear from you with your questions about God, spirituality, the Bible, the end of the world, etc. You know, whatever you want to talk about, how to live cr- practical Christian life. Uh, you know, you may, you name it, we would love to talk about it with you. And the first caller in today is going to receive a free copy of a book about the miracles of Jesus called Expect a Miracle. He'll do it for you. And uh, if you'd like to get in for that book, you can call in with your questions or text in at 0491-064-669. That number again was 0491-064-669. Now, before we go any further, I think that the thought that I shared before was profound, but... Uh, also, there were some mistakes in there, so I, I apologize humbly that uh, I don't know everything either, and I should have read the story before I uh, came into the radio today. We're winging it a little bit. So let's keep reading okay, and find out that the glory okay. of the Lord did physically appear to them in the cloud. We're going about to find that out, so I was mistaken. But nonetheless, the glory of the Lord in terms of God's character is revealed in that he is providing for them in that way. That is n- no less true, but I was mistaken that there was actual physical manifestation of God as well. So let's keep reading. <laughs> no worries. Okay. Are we picking it up from verse nine? Yeah. Okay. Through to 12. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked towards the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Awesome. So what's happening here? So here we're um, specifically saying what's going to happen and what time it's going to happen. So how the food is going to come about. So you can see here that we have meat in the evening and in the morning is the bread. And I love that he says here again, the reason that he's doing this is that you shall know that I am the Lord. And we heard that throughout all of the plague time that Moses may know that I am the Lord, that the Israelites may know that I am the Lord, that Pharaoh may know that I am the Lord, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And now here again, the Israelites, that they may know that I am the Lord. God's purpose in revealing all of these things is so that they may know personally, experientially, the Lord, and trust him. Isn't that profound? All right, so let's see what happens. What does God do? Let's continue. So verse 13. So it was that quail came up at the evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given to you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, that every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person according to the number of persons, let every man take those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, Let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them, so they gathered it every morning 
every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. All right. Whoa. This is full on, right? Like, go out there. The, that evening, the quail came. And then the next day, here comes the manna from heaven. And uh, what in the world is that about? The manna? Yeah. So the manna, and actually I have to turn to Numbers to get an explanation of what the manna is. Um, because in Exodus, it doesn't tell us specifically. It just says it's a bit of frost that's underneath the dew. But in Numbers 9, verse 7, it tells us that, Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color like the color of bedli- or bedillium, which is uh, the color of like a raisin. And the people went about gathering it, grounded it on millstones, and beat it in the mortar, cooked it in pans, and made cakes out of it. And its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. And when the dew fell in the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. So yeah. So what they collected, so the manna that they collected wasn't actually bread. It was a piece, like a small piece of, it looked like like a coriander seed. And then they would grind that up and turn it into bread. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Sometimes in life, God doesn't just give you like all the pieces put together, right? Like, here you go. There's everything and you don't have to participate. But they have the opportunity here to participate. God provides them with this manna, which means what is it? We don't even understand what this is. So we call it what is it? Hey, let's go get some what is it this morning, right? And so they go and they get it. But isn't that interesting? I, I, yeah, no. just, just thinking about that, the opportunity to participate. Sometimes God gives us opportunities. And as we choose to walk into those opportunities, we then get the privilege of the results. But sometimes you've got to participate. Isn't that interesting? I just think that's valid, valid life advice that God's allowing them the opportunity to move forward and, and choose to participate in, in what it is that he's giving to them. I love that. That's cool. Now, what else can we take from this manna stuff? I think that there's something really interesting here. Did they really trust and believe that God was going to provide it every day? First, at first, no. That's right. Because, and how do we know that? Because they, they kept it. He says, don't keep any of it. God's going to provide you today what you need today. And tomorrow, he's going to provide you more. So don't, don't try and keep any of it left over. But what's demonstrated here is there's a lack of trust. We just, like you might think to yourself, oh, well, maybe they just didn't want to eat that much. But, but that's not why Moses is angry. Moses is angry because they took more than they needed. And then they stockpiled it up to because they didn't trust that God who had provided for them all the way, they weren't quite to the place where they were ready to trust that he'll provide it tomorrow, so I won't worry. And isn't that interesting? I think it's Matthew chapter 6 um, where – I think it's Matthew chapter 6. Either that or it's Luke 6. It's one of those two um, where, where, where God is speaking, Jesus is speaking, and he says, don't worry about tomorrow. The birds don't worry about what they're going to eat or what they're going to – what they're going to do, God provides it for them. Today is what they need. Today is what they worry about. The flowers, they're clothed in more splendor than Solomon, but they're just going to be burned in the grass. How much more will God clothe you, right? And he says, don't worry about these things because God knows that you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God. And this is the principle that he's trying to demonstrate. I am trustworthy. I will provide for you. Will you trust me? And isn't it gracious that God is continually giving this? He doesn't say, well, you messed that up. No more manna for you. You can go find your own food. No, he continues to provide this. And people are learning as they go. And I love this because this just demonstrates in the character of God the patience that he has to work with us as as a father or a mother would with their child as they teach them and they're learning and growing and developing and they're developing that trust. Isn't it amazing that God is so patient and gracious with us? Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. 
All right, let's keep reading on. Let's read from 22 through 30. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath. Rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day the Sabbath there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Isn't this beautiful? All right, so so he gives, there's a lot of interesting stuff, and we've got like 53 seconds before we go to listen to another song. So we're going to probably talk about this a little bit more after the break. Well, not the break, after the song. Um, what's really fascinating to me, there's a bunch of things that are fascinating to me. Point number one, God commands them to rest. Now, obviously, you need to rest. You're wandering about in the wilderness. Your animal's wandering around. You need rest. But notice that God's provision actually provides not just on the days that you need to participate and go find it and go get it for the day, but he's providing for the day of rest as well. And there's so much significance to this, so much that we could talk about with regards to Sabbath. I've just, I've been, just read a book on this about God's rest and God providing, and oh, there's so much to say, but I love this. God is giving them provision. He's not asking them to do something that he's not provided them the ability and the means to achieve. This is Ellie Holcomb. Do not worry. See the birds that are singing in the spring air. They're giving everything they need. They don't worry where their next meal will come from. They don't worry about a thing So just look around you Try to listen to the song Creation sings Don't you worry Cause you're in the hands Of the God who made everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See the flowers in their Dressed better than a king They don't worry about what they should wear, no They don't worry about a thing So just look around you Try to listen to the song creation sings And don't you worry cause you're in the hands of the God Who made everything because you're, you're not a bird and you're, you're not a flower You don't have petals or wings But there is good news, you're worth so much more To the God who made everything
today or tomorrow And the storms that they might bring Try to remember that you're in the hands of the God Who made every single thing You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. And uh, we're just looking through the story of what happens to the Israelites after they cross the Red Sea. And we've been talking about manna and uh, you... The, the manna was literally, we're about to read this, but that, it literally means, what is it? And the Israelites had their questions, and I'm sure you've got questions, and we would love to hear them, because we'd love to be able to try and help you find some answers to that in Scripture. So if you'd like to get in with some questions, you can call or text us at 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. This is the last uh, shameless plug I'll do for that, because we're going to go to the news after our next uh, little interlude of music, and and then we're going to be coming back for question of the week. So if you'd like to get in and get your hands on that book, expect a miracle. He'll do it for you. Just send in your question. You can do that at any time between now and then. All right. So uh, we got a, we actually got a response. We've got a couple of responses today. So thank you for those responses. Um, this is from Freco. Freco texted in and said, Today we thirst for money and hunger for possessions when Jesus can quench and fill all our needs. Isn't that so true? What a profound thought. Thank you for that. And somebody else texted in before and and just talked about how there's some commentary on this book, and it's interesting. It doesn't... Uh, that was Brett, so thank you to Brett for that, that comment as well. It's actually just really interesting to think about. It doesn't say that they were hungry. It says they said, we're going to die of hunger. But it doesn't say in the text anywhere that they were actually hungry. And uh, that's this is something that Brett was commenting on, that they probably weren't hungry. They were probably just uh, looking forward in anticipation to that. Anyway, thank you so much for those thoughts. Um, we're going to continue our discussion. So before we keep reading, he says to them, all right, six days, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, you're going to go up in the morning before the heat of the day, and you're going to collect the manna that you need for that day. And then you'll work it, you'll bake bread, and your family's going to eat. Right, God is providing today for today. But there's a day that's different. There's a day that's separate. And that day is a day of rest. Right? Isn't this interesting? They're free for the first time in their lives. They've been slaves for, the, for, for 400 years, so multiple generations. These people were born in slavery, and they have lived in slavery. They don't know what it's like to be a free man, a free woman. And free people, you know, can sometimes be, in our modern society, slaves to the dollar, slaves to our jobs, slaves to our possessions, as we just heard in that that wonderful text from Freco. We are often enslaved by the things that we look to for hope and life and enjoyment and pleasure and, and existence. But God says, I, I want you to take a day out from all of that system, and that day is a day of rest. It's a day where you're going to pull back and you're not you're not going to uh you're not going to be working to earn your keep, right? He says on on Friday I'm going to give you everything that you need so that you're covered for that day so that you can actually properly rest. And what's interesting to note is that we see the seventh day blessed as holy in in Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 at the end of the creation week, and it's a memorial, we're going to find out as we get to Exodus 20, that this idea where God gives us a day of rest, it comes from creation, it's it's expounded upon here, but I want to highlight here, it's, it's actually told to them that it's one of God's laws 
before he even gives them the Ten Commandments, right? He's he's teaching them as they go, and he's already expecting them that the Sabbath existed before the Ten Commandments were given. It existed in creation. It exists here prior to Sinai, and I think this is super significant for those of us who are wondering, does the Sabbath have any relevance to our lives today? And this this text, along with many others, illustrates that it does. But I love this. There's so many cool things. I've been I'm preparing for a, a series, a little mini series of sermons on the Sabbath that we're doing at our church, Coast Life. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook.com/slash Coast Life Adventist Church NSW. You can follow us there and uh, check out our sermons. We'll be live streaming because we're on lockdown, and uh, we'll definitely we've been live streaming anyway. But we'll be doing live streaming and zooming and whatnot, and we'll be talking about that over the next couple of weeks. But there's so many profound things about this God's provision, and I love this because. Notice, they've gone from a place of slavery where rest is really ultimately only for those who are above you. But here he's saying, no, 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 no. Everyone must rest. And that means that you get rest, I get rest, the person down the street that you don't like gets rest. Everybody deserves the rest because God has set it apart and set it aside so that everyone gets it. You don't get more rest if you're successful. You don't get less rest if you're less successful. It's not a capitalistic system. It's not a socialistic system either. It's it's freedom for everybody. Everybody gets it. Isn't that profound and beautiful? And everybody gets this day of rest. And I love that. Even in the desert, even when God's providing everything for you, you get this rest. This time to reflect on the fact that God is your provider. Isn't that beautiful? All right, let's keep reading. We're in verse 31. And the house of Israel called its name manna, and it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. The most- that sounds so good, by the way, doesn't it? Like, I mean, the same meal every day, all the time, can can get a little bit less exciting. But that sounds beautiful, anyway. It sounds like the. It sounds like something I would have with ice cream. <laughs> sounds to me like crumpets. Like a cone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you get up in the morning and you're like, oh, I'm gonna have some crumpets with butter and honey and on them today. Honey. You know, this sounds lovely. Anyway, sorry. Side note. No, no, no. This. <laughs> But yeah, every day, I don't know. But <laughs> they digress. Then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it, fill an omer with it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread of with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer of manna in it and lay it before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna forty years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. All right, so he instructs them, I want you to take one pot of this. And now check this out. Think about the, think about the profundity of this. God says, this stuff lasts for one day. That's it. And we've already seen it. You keep it to the next day, it goes off. Except if he gives Except it on Friday. Some, yeah. And when he gives it on Friday. But then it's only two days. It keeps for two days. Yeah. And then you got to go back, right? Yeah. So it's got a limited lifespan. But notice what God says. Hey, I want you to I want you to take one pot of this of a certain size and I want you to keep it. I want you to keep it and if oh, how do me a favor and just ch- how much were they supposed to get per person there? I think it said before, and I'm wondering if it's similar. Anyway, just a curious thing. He says, keep it. And I don't want you to just keep it for a day. I don't want you to just keep it for two days. This particular jar of manna, I want you to keep perpetually as a nation so that when you get to the promised land, you'll be able to see 
This is what God fed us in the wilderness. And then Moses writes in past tense as he's writing this book, and there's this it's it's almost like a like a postscript in a in a letter, right? He's writing like after the fact, he's saying, and by the way, this was eventually kept before the testimony, which was the Ten Commandments that were kept in the Ark of the Covenant. He says, it was laid up in that box with this stuff to be a perpetual reminder of what God provided for us in the wilderness to provide for our needs. That's how important this is. And think about this. He's going to supernaturally keep this stuff good mm. forever, yeah. <laughs> you know, perpetually, it's right? <laughs> it's just going to keep going and going. It's going to keep. Yeah. They're not going to eat it, but it's going to keep. Isn't that profound? It's not going to get stinky. It's not going to go off, any of those things. And I think this, this is quite profound. Um, oh, man, so good, yeah. so good. All right. Um, can we go to a song show? We're going to go to a song. This is Ron and Patty Violent and Valent, excuse me, and thou shalt remember. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee. Know what was in thine heart, whether thou would keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither Not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Everyone, we're the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson, and you can join us every morning on The Breakfast Show. We cover news that matters and do our encounter with God. We also have an intense quiz, great giveaways, awe-inspiring music, and best of all, you can have your say and be a part of the Brecky family. We're live across Australia, so check your Faith FM program for your local airtime. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. Is God all powerful? If so, He could rid the world of evil. Is God all loving? If so, He would want to rid the world of evil. Is God all knowing? If so, He should know how to rid the world of pain. So, why is there evil, suffering, and pain in the world? 
Is there no God? For the answer to these questions and more, please join us for a powerful series of Bible presentations called The End of Time. The series runs from Wednesday through Friday, 8 p.m., July 14 to August 6. That is, Wednesday through Friday, 8 p.m., July 14 to August 6. For more information, go to the N.Digital website, Facebook page, or YouTube channel. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Savior And life more abundant and free Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of His glory and Through death into life everlasting He passed and we followed there Over us in no more hath dominion For more than conquerors we are And turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things Shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him, and all will be well. And go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. And turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dear In the light of His glory In the light of His glory and listening to real faith but it's not as real as it could be why you ask because this isn't the live show so as good as this is the live show is where it's really at join us every thursday from 3 30 to 5 30 p.m so you can be involved live he will take you by the hand lead you to that promised land can't you hear the blessed savior calling you when you strayed from the fold and there's trouble in your soul 
you hear the blessed Savior calling you When your soul is lost in sin and you're at your journey's end Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you Calling you Calling you Calling you Calling you Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you He will take you by the hand Lead you to that promised land Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you As you journey day by day And temptation comes your way Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you listening to Faith FM, and this is Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and uh, we are super excited to have, well, we're basically excited to continue our Bible study. We're bummed because nobody sent a question today, so we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to guilt trip you and say, we would love to hear from you, and uh, we feel sad when we don't hear from you. So um, remember, you can send in those questions during the week. You can send them to our Facebook page. Sometimes it's a bit like, I'm driving, I can't text, I can't do it, blah, 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 and that's fine. We understand. Sort of, but we're going. <laughs> but you can text or call in the number zero four nine one zero six four double six nine, and you can send. Hey, this is a question for the real faith guys, and we'll look at it next week. You can do that anytime you're. You know, you're doing a Bible study, you're reading, you, somebody talks to you about something, and you say, "Hey, I'd like to know more about that." You can send those questions in at any time. They'll come to Shell on the, the our, our our radio phones, and uh, we'll get that, and we can then address that at the next available opportunity. You can ke- call or text those in. You can also go to our Facebook page. What's our Facebook page, Shell? Dun, dun, dun. Faith FM Australia. You can check that out on Facebook. You can send them in that way, and as long as you let us know it's for real faith, we'll know it's for us, and we'll do that next Thursday. Um, but because we don't have any questions, we're going to keep reading because – why not? So we're in Exodus chapter 17 now, and we're going to read the next story. So let's read through to verse 7. Okay. 
Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandments of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. All right, let's pause there for a moment. What did we start this Bible study with? What story did we read? The story about the bitter water. Yeah. The salty water that's being right. turned into sweet water. And what were they complaining Fresh against water. Moses there for? Give us something to drink. Did you bring us out here to die? Like, hey, what's going on? There's no water to drink. Now, God has literally provided them water. Then he literally provided them with food. Now he's got them in another place. He said, hey, we're going to move to this location. And they've moved. And there's no water again. Now, I don't know about you, but this kind of sticks out to me as a little bit of a come on, right? Like. Yeah. Are you getting you getting it together yet? Mm-hmm. Isn't this just so relatable? Unfortunately, we think, oh, man, we're so much better than these people. But how often does God do things for me? And I'm like, oh, man, God is so faithful. He's been so good to me. He's handled that stressful situation. And then two weeks go by, and I get into a similar stressful situation. I'm like, where are you, God? Why are you not doing this for me? And my faith is through the floor because I'm not remembering what God has done for me before and holding on to that in faith and talking to him throughout the journey. And this is the same thing that the children of Israel are doing right now. God has literally provided water for over a million people already before. And now he's led them into a place where there's no water. Are they going to trust? Why are they complaining and contending, right? Fighting with Moses. You brought us here to die, right? Maybe they should all be gathering together in humility and praying to God to help them in their time of need rather than fighting and bickering about it. Anyway, let's read on. So picking it up from verse... Partway through verse 2. Okay, sorry. Okay. So Moses. So Moses. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us out of Egypt? to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. Whoa, like that's full on. He comes and cries out to God. Notice the difference. He's not contending with God. He's not fighting. He's like, what am I supposed to do with these people? They're about ready to kill me. Right? Stoning is throwing rocks at you until you're dead. Right? Like this is serious. There's a million people that are so upset. And by the way, like mob mentality can easily take over. Right? We've seen that in the last... 24 months across the globe, right? It doesn't take much when people are under stress and under pressure for them to turn to violence. And this is what it's about to turn, right? You could have a hundred angry people in there and they start feeding and then other people join in, right? The, that mob mentality can, can just grow where it, it wouldn't have if they were all by themselves thinking reasonably and rationally, they wouldn't have responded this way. And Moses is in a dire spot. And so he calls out to God for help. What am I supposed to do? These people are about ready to kill me. And notice, Moses hasn't given up on them. I'd have been out of there, bro. See ya. I'm going out in the desert. I know God's going to give me water. So You know what I mean? Like, that's the fear. <laughs> that's my bad leadership mentality, right? Like, yeah. at that point, like, you're going to kill me? I'm done. But not Moses. Moses has a love for the people. He has a burden for the people of God. He wants to see them saved. And that's the attitude that we all should have. So let's find out what happens. What's God going to do? And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also, take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. 
Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, so he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Awesome. So what does God do? He gives them water. Isn't this amazing? And how does he do it? He says, hey, take the rod that you struck the river with. I want you to keep that in your mind because there's another interesting story coming up in the coming weeks where we're going to talk about water later on. And he says, take that same rod, strike the rock, and water is going to come out of the rock. Now think about this. If you're going to have enough water to feed over a million people, like, like, what's the population of Newcastle? It's around that kind of figure, isn't it? I feel like it's pretty close to that. I have to look that up. That's like, I want to give enough water for all of Newcastle to drink, plus all of their animals, right? Like, this is a significant amount of water coming out of this rock. I don't know how big this rock is, but this rock seems to, who knows, maybe it's split, but water is coming out of the rock from from apparently nowhere. And it's going to it's going to flow out and 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 not feed uh, water for lack of a better word. It's going to water all of these people. It's going to provide them. It's going to quench their thirst. Isn't this incredible? What can we learn out of this? Like what's what what sticks out in this in this this portion of the story? Anything jump out at you? Um, again, about the provision. You you've been talking about it, or we've been looking at that for the last chapter. And again, provision. Provision, even though they're complaining. Provision, though they're in the desert. Literally water out of a rock. It's, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. God doesn't even need the water. Like maybe you might think to yourself realistically, like, come on, we know that God could take the salt water and turn it into fresh water. But maybe I'm being a bit harsh on the children of Israel here, right? Like they're in a place where there's literally no water. It's a desert. There's nothing. Maybe there was nothing growing. And they're like, well, what can God do? What are you going to do? You took us out here to die. And yet God is able to provide. God's provision comes from sources that are impossible to bring provision out of because God is the maker and God is the provider and you can trust him. I've got a heart that's full of faith-filled helplessness There are mountains ahead that I can't move by myself But I know when I'm weak, He's strong When I can barely breathe, there's still a song Even though it's hard right now, I'm not here on my own So Seems it can't be done I know God is big enough I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough He'll finish everything He starts He'll meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rising up Cause I know God is big enough There are days when the shadows of doubt make me feel small 
declare that I don't stand in my strength at all Cause I won't live a day you didn't plan Every single moment is in your hands Even if the whole world shakes You're the rock on which I stand So when it seems it can't be done I know God is big enough I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough He'll finish everything he starts For me to sit right here where we are yeah, I can feel faith rising up Cause I know God is big enough Bigger than the fear that surrounds me Bigger than the chains that it bound me Bigger than the story my past could tell I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough I'll finish everything he starts I'll meet us right here where we are I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough He'll finish everything he starts He'll meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rising up Cause I know God is big enough Yeah, I know God is big enough You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio, and we've had a great time with you today. It's come to the end of our show, and uh, if you are not familiar with the show, then uh, you'll learn today that we call the show Real Faith because we believe that real faith is lived faith, that we need to learn something from these things that we're reading from Scripture, and they don't mean anything until we they, they, the kind of the rubber hits the road and it meets our real life. So one thing that we like to do in this show is at the end of the show, we like to draw out what are some real-life applications that we can take from what we've read today and apply into our real life, whether those be things that we apply into our thinking, the way that we process and the way that we reason, or things that we can physically, practically do. Like what, what can, How does this reach into now, into our real life? So do you have any thoughts that spring to your mind, Tash, that just jumping out at you? Or do you want a moment? No, I don't. I, I don't need a moment. <laughs> just, just about the food. Um, I cooked up a big batch of um, uh, dal curry on um, Sunday. Yes, I love dal. But cooking up a big batch meant I had three. I had, I've got another one container left over, and I've eaten. Th- this will be. You can the, freeze it. Dal freeze as well. It does freeze, but <laughs> I was like, 
This is the third time I'm going to eat dal tonight, this week. And I'm, am I going to be okay with that? And I was like, actually, you know what? It's fine. <laughs> it's fine because it's still food and it's nutrition and it's, and it tastes good. And, um, just like the, the Israelites, the manna, oh, we, we didn't get to that part yet, but, um, the food was provided for them every day. And, um, we, we, we even said that they weren't even hungry yet mm. and they had things to eat, but they were still complaining. Totally. Yeah. I'll tell you a lesson that, that, that sticks out to me from that. I, I have a personal saying. You've heard that variety is the spice of life, right? Well, my personal saying is that discomfort is the spice of life. And I came to this realization a number of years ago where there are times where I would choose comfort and luxury over the reality of valuable experience, right? And I, can, I won't waste your time too much on how I came to that discovery. But I think that there's a lot of value in difficulty, like the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2, I think it is, he says, My brothers, rejoice when you face trials of like difficulties of any kind because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, right? Luxury and comfort, while they are nice things, they often make us soft and dependent upon others and ungrateful. Like the reality is that for most of human history, most people have eaten basically the same foods their whole life. And we live in the Western world where we have luxury and comfort and we're, we actually, we don't think about it, but we, we live like kings and queens compared to most of human history, most people. And sometimes that comfort gets in the way of us actually learning and growing and becoming better people. Comfort is my enemy, truly. I like to keep, I like to hang out with comfort and I like it. But comfort truly is my enemy because sometimes luxury becomes the thing where we want to go back into slavery because of the luxuries and the comforts that are there rather than living in a free life that God has designed for us. Mm-hmm. And that that really is a sad thing. But it's true. And it's true of me. I'm not saying this like in a judgmental way. No, no. This is true of me. I have to fight that impulse in my life because I want to live a life that's free that God has designed for me. Right, I, I'm so tempted to go back into the cage because it's comfortable, because it's familiar. But what we see in this story is just what you're talking about. It's the, it's the opposite of that. It's not about comfort. It's about going where God is leading. Because guess what? You might have some sort of perceived security in Egypt because you got the meat pots, but you're a slave. But you follow God, it's not going to be easy. There might be difficulties, but difficulties will shape you and make you a better person and will grow your character, which is ultimately the only thing that you get to take with you. And that's valuable. Boom. Boom. Mic drop. And I love that. You just tied that all back into yeah, what, what they were asking for because they were saying that to Moses. Yeah. Like our, our pots used to be filled with these things, but it's, yeah. But really it was just the cage and slavery that they're, yeah. That's right. And we, we can sometimes think. We do this all the time. Mm-hmm. We think back and time has an interesting way of, of making us forget the difficult parts and tend to remember the good parts on some areas, right? We look back and we forget all the difficulties that were, and we, we latch onto that one thing that we liked and we forget about all the 10 different, it's like, it's like going back to a bad relationship, right? You're like, oh, but I love that person. Oh, we had so many good times. And then you get back to that person who was, a, it was a terrible choice. Don't be there. You go back into that experience and you're like, all of a sudden I remember all the reasons that this was, that this was a bad decision, right? And we do that so often in our lives in so many ways when God calls us out. We so tend to go back in. So don't go back in. Comfort is your enemy. Discomfort is the spice of life. Something else that I think we can take out of this story, something I really like, is that, that, that he said, none of these diseases that, that the Egyptians experience, you will experience if, if, big two-letter word, if 
you follow the way that I've got for you. And I love this because God's laws, God's ways, God's designs are not arbitrary, but they are based on design. They are principles that actually will benefit us. And that goes for everything, whether it's a moral law, it goes for hygiene principles. Like if we follow what God reveals to us, it's going to bless us. And I love that. Um, Something else that really sticks out to me in this story is complaining doesn't help us, right? We need to be grateful complaining and being negative focusing on the negative doesn't mean you don't you can just pretend everything's all right all the time be real and honest but focus on on the things that you can be grateful for and that will help your mental health and i, I tell you right now while so many of you are in lockdown um that's incredibly important because if we don't take the time to remember how god has led us in the past to be to express gratitude for for what we do have we'll be overwhelmed by the difficulties and the negative spiral is an easy thing to start and a hard thing to stop um, anything else that you'd like to add in our brief little amount of time? Just very lastly, um, uh, any 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 complaints or any sort of like issues or conflict, go straight to that person because they weren't taking it to God; they were taking it to Moses and mm. expecting Moses to fix it. And poor Moses, I love that. But yeah, like yeah, in any in any friendship or relationship where there's conflict or I don't know, find find that place where you can mm. have that conversation with them. Yeah, totally. And if you've got issues with God, take them to God. Yeah, God's a big, yeah. God's shoulders are big enough. Yeah. Sometimes I think we forget that. You know, you got a difficulty, you got a complaint, take it to God, talk to him about it. Be real and be honest. He's big enough to hear you and he cares. I love that. One last thing, and I think this is the appeal that, that, that God is making to, out of this chapter to me and to you today. Moses had, had been told by the Lord, he says, come near before the Lord for he has heard your complaints and you can trust God with all of your complaints. Remember my friends, Real faith is live faith. Stay tuned for drive time and we'll see you next time.